Hi everyone, we're going to begin our Pirke Ovis and uh, it's fantastic, you know, we're, we're dealing with the beginning of Perik Aleph of Mishnah of, of, of uh, Pirke Ovis and we're dealing with the Masoira. Last week we talked about the Masoira, how important the Masoira is and we ended with a cliffhanger. The question is, why are the Anshei Knesses Hagdoila called Anshei Knesses Hagdoila? You ever think of that? It's a question, right? Why do people get a particular name? What does it mean, Anshei Knesses Hagdoila? It means the men, this is the English translation, of the great assembly. It's not a good translation. By the way, most translations are not good translations. I deal with translations all day long. In fact, you know, I translate a lot and I have people who help me with translations. I'm always struggling with translations. In fact, when I go on, let's say, Safaria or one of these other websites which translate things, I very often change the translations. I always add the rider that if you don't like my translation, blame me. Don't blame anyone else. But the bottom line is translations are never accurate. Anche Knesses Hagdoila. Not Gdoila. Hagdoila. What does it mean, Anche Knesses Hagdoila? So there's actually a, um, a reason why they're called Anche Knesses Hagdoila. But we're going, to be, we're going to take it from the other end, okay? So we began last week. Let's have a look. Anche Knesses Hagdoila. Nikru'u Anche Knesses Hagdoila. Al shame. Why are they called Anshei Knesses Agdoila? When did they exist? At the beginning of the period of the Second Temple. Now, I'm not going to get into too much detail of Jewish history, but just for the sake of clarity, there was a period of time called the time of the first Beis Hamikdash, Bayis Rishon, the first temple. Then, there was the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. What happened then? Those people who lived in Eretz Yisrael were exiled to Bovel. Then it became from the Babylonian Empire, it turned into the Persian Empire. And ultimately the Persian king allowed the Jewish nation to return to Eretz Yisrael and rebuild their Beis Hamikdash. It was a miracle. At that period, at that moment, there was a large gathering of Jewish notables that was called the Anshei Knesses Hagdoila. What did the Anshei Knesses Hagdoila do? They created a situation where the Jewish faith wouldn't collapse. It wouldn't disappear. They were extremely concerned because at no period in Jewish history, prior to the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash and the Golus Bavel, had there ever been a time when the Jewish nation or the Jewish faith had been in danger. But now suddenly there was a Jewish diaspora and all the familiar aspects of what it meant to be a Jew were no longer familiar. In fact, we see Ezra and Nehemiah struggled to get the Jewish nation to adopt even the most basic aspects of Judaism, things that we take so much for granted. How do you sit in a sukkah? That's at the beginning of Ezra and Nehemiah. How do you sit in a sukkah? How do you celebrate Rosh Hashanah? They had no idea because they were not familiar with it. So they put together a gathering of people called the Anshei Knesses Hagdoila. 
That is what is always um, translated in it, into English as the men of the great assembly. There's no such thing as the men of the great assembly because there's no Knesses HaGdoyla. The word Gdoyla is a loaded word, as we're going to see here. Let me read you the parish. The parish says, You know, the crown of what it meant to be Jewish was re-established as it had been of old, as it had been originally. This is not something that they did randomly. They took the Jewish nation and they realized that that which the Jewish nation was, was not what they were meant to be. And they needed to return it to its original status, to what it needed to be to what it must be in order to perpetuate itself and for it to, to out-exist the current moment. I mentioned this in the last podcast, that they, you know, we say Shemana Esrei, God, the great, the strong, and the extraordinary. They re-establish this as the baseline for what it means for Jews to relate to God. You cannot be a believing Jew if you don't believe in Hakel, Hagodal, Hagibir, Vahanoira. That's what you need to be. That being the case, I'm not going to go into I mentioned it last week that Yeremia and Daniel were in, um, ambivalent about God's Noira and God's Gibor, and therefore Anshay Knesset Agoyla re-established our devotion in terms of our acceptance that God is a Gibor and a Noira. And the question that I left off at the end of the last podcast was, why are the Anshe Knesses HaGadoyla called Anshe Knesses HaGadoyla? They should be called Anshe Knesses HaGibor Vahanoira because they re-established the words in the Shemana Esrei of Gibor and Noira. Godol never was removed. Why are they called Anshe Knesses HaGadoyla? That was the cliffhanger question I left with you with last time. And the answer is, is not, I'm, by the way, you know, all the best questions are never mine. This question is asked by the Rishonim. They want to understand why it is the Anshe Knesses Agdoila were referred to in this way. Why weren't they simply referred to as the Anshe Knesses or the Sanhedrin or the Zakanim or whatever it is you were going to call them? Why the Anshe Knesses Hagdoila? So one of the answers is, I'm going to give you two answers to confound you. The first answer is that what does the word Godoil mean? What does Godoila mean? It means great. What does it mean to be great? If I tell somebody, you're so great, what are they going to think? That they're great. What does great mean? It has to have meaning. Nothing has meaning if it doesn't have meaning. Great only has meaning if you can identify something, some characteristic, some aspect of what great means that applies to the person to which you have 
given that adjective. Somebody is a great person. Why are they great? Because they did something great. What did they do that was great? You're going to tell them you did this that was great. You did that was whatever it was. You are a god oil because I, I'll give you. Let's talk about the current times. If somebody is called a god oil hador, one of the greats of our generation, why would we call them a god hador? Are they great because they just happen to be godl? No, because they studied Torah. They are exemplary in their Torah knowledge. They are great Torah scholars. Therefore, they are Godoil Hador. They are great in terms of their spirituality, of their service of God. Everything that they do is in the service of God. They're a Godoil Hador. Now we're talking about God. Hokel HaGodoil HaGibayr Vahanoira. So the answer is, and this is the answer. I want to just tell you who it was that gave this answer. The answer was given by, I think it was the Ein Yaakov, Iun Yaakov, who said that Godel is only relevant if there is a definition that applies to it. You can only call Godel is the next level above everything else. Somebody or something is Godel if they are something else. If they're a great mechanic, it means that they were a mechanic. If they are a great doctor, it means that they were a doctor. If they are a great lawyer, it means that they were a lawyer. And they were the best at being a lawyer. Hashem is Godel, but he's only Godel because he's Giboyer and he's Neira. And at the time of Golos Bovel, there was no Giboyer and there was no Neira. That's what, that's what Doniel and Yirmiyah said. That because of the way Hashem had behaved, as it were, towards the Jewish nation during the period of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, and the, uh, and the fact that the Jewish nation went into exile, he wasn't Giboyer and he wasn't Neira. Anche Knesset Agdoila came back and they re-established this principle that Hashem is Giboyer and Hashem is Neira. And on that basis, he's therefore Godoil. And when we Davon Shemayin Esrei, we say, Hokel HaGodoil HaGiboyer Vahanoira. Anche Knesset Agdoila reintroduced the concept of Godel to Hashem Yisbarach after Golus Bovel. That is why they are referred to in this way. Anche Knesses HaGodoyla. It's not because they are men of the great Godoyla, great assembly, but because they re-established the concept of Godel with reference to Hashem. Now, that is the, uh, the opinion of the Iun Yaakov. The Sfas Emes has a rather more direct approach. He says that the reason the Anche Knesset HaGadoyla are called that is because he says, I'm, I'm a little shy to say it. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's entirely appropriate. However, I'm going to say it nonetheless. It's a Loshoin Sagi Nahar. That means it's opposite day. It's not because they're truly great as the greats of the time of the first Beis Amikdosh, 
but because each generation diminishes from the status, the holy status, the spiritual status of the previous generation, but nevertheless we know that they are the foundation of the Jewish faith at the beginning of the period of the second Beis Amikdosh. We refer to them as Anshei Knesset Agdoila, almost sardonically, I don't want to say sarcastically, but in some way we are saying that they are Anshei Knesset Agdoila, not because indeed they were as great as those Neviim and Zekenim, and all of those who lived, and the Shoftim who lived at the time of the first Beit HaMikdosh, but at the time, at the period in which they lived, they were the greatest of that time. Anshei Knesses HaGdoila of their moment. And that's why they're referred to as Gedoila. So I've answered the question that I left you with at the end of the last podcast, and now I'm going to tell you the next part of the Mishnah, Heim Omru Shloisha Devarim. They said three things. Who are the they? I'm going to get back to that. Okay? We're not sure. Initially, one would imagine that we're talking about the Anshei Knesset Agdoila, but actually, let's see in a minute. Hevu Mesunim Badin. Do you know what it means to be Mesunim Badin? It means don't rush into judgment. Are you a judge? Are you somebody who is given the responsibility and the duty to take care of the legal aspects of what it means to be a Jew in your day? Be very careful. Don't rush into judgment. I heard a terrible story many years ago about a rabbi I knew. I'm not going to mention his name. Even if you call me or email me, I won't mention his name. He said as follows. This is a story that happened. Somebody came to him for a din Torah. And there were two litigants in front of the Bezdin, and he was a Rosh Bezdin, and he heard the first side, whatever the claims were of the first side of this Din Torah. And then the second person came up and said, wanted to present, or was presenting, his version of events, as opposed to the version of events that had already been heard. And anyway, this Rosh Bezdin, maybe he wasn't being so polite, and he was schmoozing, you know, today he would say he was looking at his phone, he was answering WhatsApp messages. In those days they didn't have WhatsApp messages, he wasn't focusing, whatever it is that he was doing. And one of the other Dayonim, or perhaps it was the litigant himself who said, listen, Dayan, I'm not going to say his name, Dayan, why aren't you listening to my version of events? Surely you should focus on what it is that I'm saying, this is so crucial to my claim. And the Dayan said, what do I need to listen to you for? I heard the other guy already. I know what the answer is. That's not the way to behave if you're dying. Never trust anybody who's presenting something from a partisan point of view. Be very careful how you judge something. You have to base it on all the information that is presented to you. And don't come from your own bias because you happen to like the person because he dresses the way that you like, or he lives in a neighborhood that you think is the correct neighborhood, or he sends his kids to the right school that you like, or he gave charity to the right stalker. There is no such thing as bias when it comes to halacha. 
You mustn't allow your personal feelings to influence you in any way. Heaven was sunim badin. You have to make sure that you are entirely objective in every aspect of the way that you judge any halacha that comes in front of you. What are the aspects of the halacha that need to be considered? And consider them totally neutral without any outside influence. Heaven was sunim badin. Be very, very careful how you consider any aspect of Jewish law because you have to be sure 100% that the law that you are going to pronounce is the law as it needs to be. We're going to get back to that, okay? The next one is Make sure that you establish many Talmidim. How many Talmidim do you have? Have you ever thought about that? What have you taught anybody? I'm not asking you if you're a teacher. By the way, I'd love you to be a teacher, but if you're not a teacher, how do you have a Talmud? I've taught you something today. What are you going to do with that information? Are you going to teach somebody that information or are you just going to hold it on, onto it yourself? Is it personal? Are you being selfish? You know what the very first instruction is in Pirkei Ovis? Unbelievable. Think about it. Make sure you have many students. Make sure that all the wonderful things that you have learnt from all the teachers that you have taught, that you teach them to others. That you make sure that others know that which you have learnt which is worth knowing. How important is that? Make sure that you are ma'amid, many talmidim. By the way, this is a machloikas between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel. Do you remember the story about the person who came to Hillel and Shammai? First he came to Shammai. He says, teach me the whole Torah on one foot. Shammai says, you're not a Talmud who's worth teaching. Get out. And he chased him away with a stick. Comes to Beis Hillel and he says, teach me the Torah on one foot. I want to learn the whole Torah. And he says to him, Never do unto another person that which you wouldn't want to have done to yourself. That's the whole Torah. The rest is just explanation. This is a massive difference of opinion between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel and between Hillel and Shammai. According to Shammai, if somebody is not 100% worthy of teaching, do not have anything to do with them. According to Hillel, it doesn't matter who comes to you to learn. Make sure that you teach them something worth knowing. You will draw them up. You will, you will make sure that they become that which they need to be. They will become a Talmud that is worthy of that name. It's a machloikas between Beis Hillel, Beis Shammai, Hillel and Shammai. Also between Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Loza ben Azariah. And here we're seeing that the Pirkei Ovas is machlit, that you should be ma'amid talmidim harbe. Make sure you have many talmidim. Not all of them will be perfect, but somehow having taught many people many worthy things, you will have increased knowledge in the world and the world will be a better place. Make sure that you are ma'amid 
Talmidim Harbe. And finally, I know what the law is. Are you a person that when you come to the traffic light and it's just turning amber, orange, that you say, you know what, I'm not going to wait, I'm going to go. Or you're a person who's saying, I want to do Lifnim Mishura Sadin. I'm going to be an Asesyog Latoira. I'm going to stop even though I could go. I could gain an extra 20 seconds, but I'm going to, I'm going to stop because I don't want to be a danger to anybody. Chazal taught us a very important thing. It's right here at the beginning of Pirkei Ovis. Don't be a person who flirts with the margins of the law. Don't be somebody who says to himself, I know what the law is and I know what to do and I'm going to do it perfectly because I'm perfect. Be somebody who adopts extra stringencies and more strict approaches to law, whatever that law may be, to make sure that you never drift into counteracting the law and desecrating the law and going against the prohibitions of the Torah and of Chazal. That's the idea. Be more careful than you need to be. Be more careful than Chazal even demand of you. Make an extra boundary when it comes to Torah and that is the correct approach. That is the very first thing that we're taught in Mishnah in the Ovis. That's what we are taught. That you should be a person who's masunim badin, don't rush to judgment. Make sure many people learn many things from you, that which you have learnt. And make boundaries when it comes to the law, extra and over and above that which you're required to do to make sure that you never drift into prohibition territory. Now, to come back to what I said before, who is it that said, Heim Omru Shloisha Dvarim? So our initial understanding is that it's Anshe Knesset Agdoila. Actually, say the Mephorshim, that we mentioned already three levels of the Messiah. Yeshua le Zekenim, Zekenim le Nevi'im, Unavi'im le Anshe Knesset Agdoila. Heim Hoi Omru Shloisha Dvarim is talking about those three different levels of the Messiah. The Yeshua told to the Zekenim, he said to them, I'm handing over the law to you. I'm an individual. You are now the Zekenim. You are taking over from me. There's many of you. I can be Muslim Badin as Moshe Rabbeinu was when he was the judge and I took it from him. But now I'm handing it to many people. My advice to you, my instructions to you are if you are a Zokain, if you are an elder, if you are a judge, if you are a mentor of the Jewish nation, at the next level, we have Zekenim Linevim, the Zekenim to the prophets and to the Shoftim, don't rely on the fact that there are a scholar class within the Jewish nation, that there are scholars who can pass judgment. It's not good enough. Make sure that you make many Talmidim. The next generation of the Messiah was that we need as many people to be as knowledgeable as possible. 
that was the uh, task that the Zakanim gave over to the Nevi'im and the Shoftim. Don't rely on yourselves, people. Make sure that you have many Talmidim. The future of the Jewish nation relies and is dependent on, contingent upon, the fact that there will be many scholars, Torah scholars, who know the law. And finally, we have the fact that the Nevi'im were Masur, they gave over to the Messiah, the Messiah to the Anche Knesset Agdoila, the Osus Yogla Torah. Their function was the Anche Knesset Agdoila after the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, to make sure that there is more and more protection for the Jewish nation in terms of their observance of Jewish law. It's not good enough to know that you have to say Kriya Shema and Esrei every day. We're going to regularize that by creating times for Shachris, Mincha and Mariv and by creating a text for Shemana Esrei, which is what the Anshei Knesset HaGdolag did, and many, many other things. We are going to ensure the survival of the Jewish nation. Asu Siyog Torah. They became the originators of Chazal. They became the originators of the Mishnah and of the Talmud and of the Medrash and of everything that we have that creates the foundation and the platform of Judaism as we know it today. That is the first Mishnah of Pirkei Ovois. Thank you so much for listening. We'll continue with Mishnah Base in the next forecast. Thank you so much. Thank you.